It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning to you. And we certainly had quite a damp, wet, miserable bank holiday weekend. And it is looking like much of the same uh, for today and tomorrow and uh, across this week. Little bits of sunny spells will occur, but uh, overall don't go very far without a raincoat or a brolly with you because it looks like you could get wet uh, this week. And uh, it, it was just as I say, a bit of a damp squid across the weekend. I spent some time, I was down visiting family in d- just outside Dungarvan near Clonay. Lovely, lovely beach, but it was just miserable. Any time we made an attempt to go to the beach it seemed to start raining. We went in the end took the brollies with us and went for a walk on the beach even in the in the rain but it was just, you could see families and particularly families that were in caravan parks and mobile homes and trying to keep the kids entertained and it's just, you know we're always saying how wonderful this country is when the sun is shining but it can be quite tough going if you've got a lot of smallies to entertain and the weather isn't uh, kind. Hopefully, hopefully it'll get a little bit better as we roll across uh, August. Now coming up on the programme this morning we are going to be talking about that young lad who passed away yesterday a young boy by the name of Jack Downey 19 year old from Clonmel and I know he was probably in everybody's thoughts and prayers across the weekend when it broke on Friday that he had taken some kind of drugs while attending the Independence Festival in Mitchellstown on Friday. And Friday was such a glorious day. The sun was shining and it was a lovely day for the Indie Festival. And there was great, you could see great if you were following it on any social media or if you had anyone, if you were at it or you had any family member that was at it. There was wonderful photographs of young people enjoying themselves. And that's what those festivals are all about. And the weather certainly turned then across the weekend. But for this young lad who ended up in hospital on Friday... And the news wasn't good across the weekend, but you know, with his life, there's hope and you never give up. And his family, I suppose, never gave up right to the very end. And then yesterday, the news broke that uh, unfortunately he'd lost his battle and he passed away. And I think the fact that he is an only child really got to me at the weekend. And you know, our thoughts and prayers are with his his family, his parents and what they are going through. And then his friends 
his college friends, his school friends. He was a big man for the GAA and I know the local GAA club in Clamell last night held a special mass and there was over 400 people turned out at very short notice for that mass. But you just think the effects, the ripple effects that this young lad's death is going to have on so, so many people. And of course it brings the whole question of drugs back again and at these festivals, do we need to have some kind of drug testing? In other countries, that's what they do. Any of these major festivals, we were prefer- far if nobody took drugs but the reality is people will take drugs so as to try and make sure that what they're taking there's, there's no such thing as a good drug but to make sure it's not mixed with something that has the potential to kill now we won't know until the post-mortem results are out from this young lad as to exactly what happened was it a bad batch or was it just that he consumed too much did he mix it with alcohol we won't know I mean, for his family, I don't know if it'll make any difference to them. They've lost their only son, but I suppose for everybody else, there's, there's, can something be learned from Jack's uh, death? And that's the one thing that the post-mortem will show up. But should we have drug testing? Should there be an area where if young people are going to events like this and they're deciding to take drugs, that they can go? The police are never involved. They literally go in, they hand in their drugs, their drugs are tested, they're told what's in it, they're told if it's pure ecstasy, cocaine, whatever it is they're taking Um, and obviously if it's a bad batch as far as I know it's not handed back out to the young person but it will help to keep some of our young people safe. Is that the way to go? So we'll be remembering Jack Downey on the uh, programme today. Also coming up on the programme how slapping can have a negative effect later in life. This was a report that came out last week And uh, it's also four years on from when a slapping ban was introduced in this country. Now, is it working? Uh, And have we moved on? Have have parents moved on? Is it just a thing of the past now? Because whenever we discuss slapping, and certainly four years ago when there was talks of introducing a slapping ban and there were so many people calling for it and then other people were saying, you know, it's discipline. It's how parents have always disciplined their children. And we inevitably, and no doubt with us opening the discussion again this morning, will hear people say, I was slapped as a child, it never did me any harm. Everybody in my household was slapped. We grew up uh, to know right from wrong. And there are some parents who believe it is okay to slap a child. But the experts are saying have always said, no, it's not. It's the incorrect way to discipline your child. But here's an expert now coming out and saying it can actually have a negative effect and it can lead uh, children to grow up into to become very aggressive adults. So we'll talk about that on the programme. Now, we're also going to discuss fly tipping on the programme. We'll be hearing from one local councillor who was out last week in scenic West Cork and came across some fly tipping and he took photographs of it and we're going to discuss it. Now it got cleaned up very, very quickly thanks to the council. But of course the council cleaning it up means it comes at a cost to everybody because it's the taxpayers' money then has to fund the cost of sending the council out to clean it up. How do we stop fly tipping? How do we for once and for all get rid of it? And therefore the resources that are wasted and they are wasted in the sense of that money and that those man hours could be used for much better use. So we're going to discuss that with the local councillor this morning. But drivers have been urged to stop throwing items out their car window and in many cases leaving hazardous material behind. Things like bottles of urine. Now this is people on the motorways driving along and, and I'm assuming I'm open to correction, but I'm assuming it's a man. It isn't a woman doing this. Need, need to go to the toilet, driving along, 
rather than stopping in a service station, or maybe some will say there isn't a service, wasn't a service station around, so they do their business into, you know, an empty water bottle, an empty mineral bottle, but then they toss it out the window, which just, you know, I mean, if you if you get short taken and you really need to pee in a bottle in a car, can you just put the lid back on the bottle and wait until you either get home or wherever you're going to and dispose of the bottle that way? Anyway, they, that's what's been found on the side of the road. Nappies, full nappies. Uh, also, human faeces in bags, which I can't still get my head around where that's coming from. Also, things like contaminated needles. Now, that's a huge, huge worry. And these items are routinely being picked up by the motorway maintenance uh, staff. Urban sections of the network are worse for small littering offence, things like coffee cups and small bags. So that's people going along, buying their cup of coffee, buying their sandwich and just tossing it out the window. But some of the bags can contain faeces. Somebody has a poo in a car, in a plastic bag, and then tosses out the window. That just, I can't, I really can't get my head around that. And then rural areas will see much more frequent incidents of larger fly tipping incidents and that's what we're going to be discussing today in this particular case it is a larger fly tipping incident I'm I'm open to correction and we'll find out more but I think it was an actual bed that was dumped in a scenic area anyway to try to deter offenders from tossing things out of their cars Transport Infrastructure Ireland and the maintenance company that supply and maintain the motorway network in the general Dublin area actually put in CCTV cameras. Now, they also put in dummy cameras so that people wouldn't know if it was the real camera or a dummy one or not. And they did it across their network at the end of 2017. They did it in the hope that it would deter people. More than 100 incidents of people tossing items out the window were recorded. Registration plate details then were then sent to the local council. Now, I don't have a breakdown of how many of them uh, were uh, prosecuted, but the highest number of incidents, uh, 40 were captured in a three-month period, was around the M50 Red Cow uh, Junction. Now, the local authority themselves say it would be impossible to emplease the entire network, but they know that when they do put cameras in place, they are catching people doing it, but it would be just, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be able to afford to put cameras and to have somebody watching all of the cameras, the entire network. We just have to try and change people's mindset. And then they talk about large events such as festivals that obviously leads to increased traffic in and around where the festival is being held. That puts additional strain on the resources. Often the roadways will be completely clear on Friday afternoon and then there'll be a festival or an event in an area and on Monday morning when the maintenance, the the company maintaining the motorway network go out, the entire area will be absolutely filthy. One of them saying it is really showing what a dirty nation we are. A spokesperson for the TII said litter picking is a significant cost to the organisation. Last year they say that they spent almost three quarters of a million removing rubbish from the roadways. They say they could use that money to resurface a section of the road or to repair the network. Not only does uh, littering generate a bad image for visitors, but it poses a significant danger to the people picking it up as well. Yeah, but particularly if they're going around picking up bottles of urine, contaminated needles and bags of poo. Really, folks, what are people thinking of? 1850 We'll chat with a TV company who are looking for participants to take part in a programme to help reduce 
your carbon footprint. So it will be cameras will be following the family around and I'm assuming cameras installed in the house and taking a look at what we can all do. And I'm really looking forward to when this programme airs on TV because I think we can all learn. And it's one of those things if we all do our little bit. I know people often say, oh, sure, we're a small nation. You know, if you're looking at climate change and looking at reducing carbon footprint is not the bigger nations the Chinas and the Indias of this world and they're the ones that need to be getting their act together but we all if we can all do our little bit every little bit helps so uh, if you think your family have what it takes to take part in one of these TV programmes we'll give you more details on the programme today and Joe Heffernan it being Tuesday will chat to us and he is offering advice if you're living with somebody who suffers from depression and then at about 20 past 11 today Simon Murdoch from The Breakfast Show will be coming back in to join us in studio because for the first time today we will be playing Simon's Celebrity Season. We'll be playing it over the next coming weeks. If it lasts for weeks, it may even go on for months. Who knows? And it's to celebrate the our latest C103 listenership figures and a kind of a way of saying thank you to you for listening. So we're giving away thousands of euro with Simon's Celebrity C and we'll find out more at about 20 past 11 today. As always, your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning. Tributes have been paid to Tipperary teenager who died after taking drugs at the Independence Festival over the weekend. Jack Downey from Clamel passed away after three days at Cork University Hospital. The 19-year-old is believed to have taken ecstasy at the festival in Mitchellstown sometime on Friday. Fiona Corkin, our senior news reporter, joins me. Good morning to you, Fiona. Hello. Uh, and you're welcome. Such a tragic case and I think especially sadder with the news that Jack Downey is an only child. That's right, Patricia. Yeah, very, very sad news. Um, he was the only child to John and Elaine Downey. Now, John was a local guard in San Malcolm to Tipperary and Elaine worked in a local jeweller's. And Jack went to the Independence Festival on Friday with his friends. And um, during Friday afternoon, in around half four or five o'clock, he complained of feeling unwell and they took him to the medical tent. And he was checked out there for treatment and they became very concerned about him and he was rushed to Cork University Hospital by ambulance. And... Um, his parents came down to be by his bedside on Friday evening and they remained there until he was pronounced dead yesterday evening. Um, now, it's understood that he took a substance and he believed that it was ecstasy. Now, Gardy are carrying out an investigation at the minute and we understand that they have spoken to some of his friends who admitted to also taking the substance and... Um, you know, they were fine. So I suppose um, a part of the investigation will be uh, was the, the substance that Jack took contaminated or did he have a pre-existing medical condition that may have uh, made the drug interact with his system in, in a different way than it did with the others. Now, um, a post-mortem examination is being carried out on his body today and that will determine um, the exact cause of his death. So um, Gardy are awaiting the results of that. But it is a heartbreaking time for Jack's family and friends. Um, he was a student here at CIT in Cork. He was uh, he had just finished his first year in accountancy. And um, I've been speaking this morning to Dr. Diane Collins, who's the head of student affairs at the college. And she said that everybody is just deeply saddened and shocked by what's happened and have obviously expressed their deep sympathies to his parents and his family. And she was described as an enthusiastic, outgoing, vivacious student who had everything to live for. And I think um, 
what's really sad in this case, Patricia, is the fact that this was a guy who was studying honours accountancy in CIT. He had got low, huge points in his leaving cert, obviously a very bright kid, was really involved with sport. He played hurling in GA with the local uh, Clamell Oak Hurling and Football Club. So, you know, he was into sport, very bright future ahead of him, was very popular on campus and indeed in his sports clubs, and went to this festival and took a substance, no more than, you know, a lot of other people probably did over the weekend as well, and us various other music festivals across the country over the summer and unfortunately in this situation um, he didn't live to tell the tale He didn't come home because I just no. you know you I, the ripple effect of uh, Jack's death even when Jack became unwell uh, and when the news started to break late Friday that you know this young lad was very very seriously unwell in hospital you know there was frantic phone calls being made by other parents whose young children were at the festival. That's right, yeah. Um, I was talking to another journalist who had um, a 19-year-old son at the festival and he said he got a call on Saturday morning about Jack Downey and he instantly thought that it was his own son, you know, and it was... Yeah, it's and, and I mean, I was up at Independence on Friday and I was talking to a lot of the young people going into the festival and they were so excited and, yeah. and, you know, and rightly so, and they should be. And in general, the majority of people came home from the festival over the weekend. And had a hard, great time. And had a great yeah. time. And the organisers, you know, Independence has been running for 15 years and there's never any trouble at it and it's always very well run. Um, and this was just an unfortunate um situation that happened and um, you know it's I suppose the, pro- the post-mortem examination will tell us more about Jack whether he had a pre-existing medical condition that you know we don't know if this was his first time taking the drug or, or what yeah, you know? yeah. So I suppose Gardaí are talking to his friends and they're, they're liaising with uh, local Gardaí up in Clonmel as well so more details will emerge over the coming days I'm sure and in fairness now, in fairness to the friends they did everything right as soon as they realised yeah. Jack was unwell. They got him straight into the medical tent. They didn't abandon him and run away. Yeah, that's right. They did, and you know, and I think that they've they've been speaking to the guards. They've been very forthcoming, and just as well, Patricia. Um, a message from Dan Collins over in CIT as well. He said that anybody, any student who has been affected by Jack's death, to please contact the college. They have, even though they're closed for the summer, they still have support services available on campus. And he also said that for young people who were maybe at the festival who knew Jack and aren't a student at CIT, to contact some sort of a support service in their locality. Um, and they can even ring the college and find out what's available in their area. Or even for those who may be overseas and who knew Jack and who were affected. And, you know, to talk to each other and talk to anybody, but to please talk. And especially over the coming weeks and months, um, you know, with something like this, the shock is going to hit them and we'll have the funeral this week and, um, you know, they'll be starting back to college in September and it could take a while before the reality of what has happened will really hit them. So he said that, you know, at any stage over the next while, if they feel the need that, to talk, that there are services available for people and to please use them. Yeah, and of course, initially when Jack was hospitalised, this message and this word went out that they were fearful there was a bad batch. That's right, yeah. Um, independent, the organisers of Independence sent out a warning message on Friday evening that a bad batch of something was, that's how they phrased it, a bad batch of something was in the campsite and they asked people to circulate the message and to please make people aware of of the message. Um, 
And then, of course, we heard that Jack had been taken to hospital on Friday and um, CUH themselves confirmed on Saturday that um, a 19-year-old was very seriously ill in hospital um, and, you know, having taken a substance. Um, now, we understand that the substance that Jack took was um, ecstasy or MDMA, but obviously that will have to be um, tested and and proven um, at the, the PM. But... Um, yeah, the, there was that message that went around. Now, there was a bit of confusion, I think, on Saturday because um, some people said a couple of people have been taken to hospital. Yeah. But I think the hospital moved to clarify that on Saturday evening, that it was just the one person had been taken to hospital on Saturday evening. All right, I can see some people from the Mitchellstown area saying there was a lot of people drinking. There was a lot of drinking involved, but that's mm. part and parcel of a festival, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's part and parcel of the festival. Um and I suppose, look, there's a lot of debate at the minute as well about drug taking. It is, you know, it is going to happen at festivals and people are wondering should um, drug testing kits be available at festivals and drug testing tents. And, and Which is what happens in other itself. countries. Yeah, I think it's very uh, much available in UK and yeah. other festivals like Glastonbury and stuff like that. Now, I know some people will argue that that's encouraging people to take drugs, but then other people are they're going to take them anyway so at least if they're in an environment where they can be safe they might be better off um, so you know that's that's an issue that's that's been very much debated this morning following this incident at Independence. Yeah it's something certainly will be that will be looked, to, um, looked at uh, and they say Guardian you're investigating Jack's uh, death and more will know more we're really waiting on the post-mortem results. Yeah, the post-mortem was due to get underway at half ten this morning, so I suppose um, Assistant State Pathologist Dr. Margaret Bolster will be beginning that examination this morning. Um, now, a lot of the time, Gardaí don't reveal the findings of that examination, but they will say where the investigation is going. But, um, you know, uh, the, the, a part of the investigation is to find out um, what exactly he took, why it had such a reaction on his body and uh, where he got the drugs from and was it a contaminated batch OK um, alright we'll leave it there uh, Fiona listen thank you for that and thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme that is uh, Fiona Corcoran our senior news reporter some of your texts uh, in uh, too much drinking around Mitchellstown at the weekend they were drunk up the town early says this texter it was very young people this year around the pubs some of the pubs were mental uh, locals couldn't even get in. They were so busy. And Mary says, Hi Patricia, I'm just thinking of the family and friends in the community of Jack Downey from Clamel who passed away after taking that toxic uh, substance at the festival. I was so, I've been so upset since yesterday, says Mary, when I heard that he had passed away. I thought of his parents who said goodbye to him on Friday. They were looking forward to him coming home after having a good time. To be honest, I hugged my own people a little bit longer when they arrived home from the festival yesterday. Kind regards, uh, Mary. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will identify with with you, Mary. And I think anyone who had a young person at the festival yesterday felt the very same way, or at the, at the festival at the weekend, felt the very same way when they came home, was just to hug them a little bit tighter and to be thankful that uh, what has happened to the Downey family isn't isn't landed on, on our own doorsteps. 1850 333 103, John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 
103. Now, writing in the latest edition of the Irish Medical Journal, leading paediatrician Professor Alf Nicholson said parents who slap their children risk them suffering long-term negative effects in later life. Ireland introduced a smacking ban four years ago. So what effect has this had? And what are the alternatives to slapping a child? Joining me is Suzanne Connolly, who is CEO of Bernardo's. Good morning to you, Suzanne. Good morning. And, and you're welcome. Has the smacking ban changed attitudes in this country to how we discipline children? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it has. I, I think most parents now don't, you know, wouldn't slap their children. I think they recognise that it doesn't teach a child anything. And also, if you think about it from a child's perspective, particularly for a very young child or even for an older child, it's someone they love inflicting pain on them. And what children will then begin to think is they are bad as opposed to their behaviour being bad, which is why I do understand the link between uh, mental health problems later in life. I mean, what parents' role is really is to help their, chil- their children understand what's acceptable behaviour, to, to manage their own emotions, to care about other people, to develop positive relationships. So anything that... That any form of discipline is really is about teaching a child about what's acceptable and unacceptable behaviour and how to learn and grow up well. Mm. And slapping doesn't help any of that. And, and outline what the, what Professor Nicholson says um, can be the long term effects of slapping well, I a think child. What he was saying, as I understood it now, you know, just from what I've read, is, is, that, is that it can really it can really help it can really affect um, a, a, an adult's sense of themselves, their sense of well-being, and that I think ultimately he was saying it's linked, it's linked to suicide. Well, And and I think, what, what I think about, what I would read from that really is that, is that there, if, if you have a real low sense of self-worth or sense of purpose and hope, or if you feel that you are bad, you know, if you think about suicide, it's very much aggression turned against the self. Now I'm sure there's other things that 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 that, that have happened in an adult's life that le- that lead to them, to, you know, to taking their own life, of which slapping is might, might be a small part. I mean, mm. you'd have to have the professor on himself to really talk about that. But it doesn't surprise me that the, the children who, in which there has been physical chast- chastisement have a, can have a very low sense of of self worth and maybe a lot of internalized aggression, you know, as well. If you think about it. Yeah, and, and, and I know, Suzanne, whenever we discuss slapping on the programme, particularly around the time when there was talks of the ban being uh, introduced, you will uh, inevitably have parents coming on saying, oh, I was slapped as a child and it didn't do, new, didn't do me any harm. Do you think we're moving away from that mindset? You see, people will always, it's funny, people will always look back on their childhood and think that, and hopefully they have turned out well, but sometimes you may not understand the implication it's, had, it's really had for you. I mean, maybe you've, you've done very, very well in your life and you think, oh, my childhood hasn't impacted. But slapping, I mean, if you think about it, slapping is physical pain for a child. And this is not, it, it, as I said, go back to that point, it doesn't teach people anything, you know, yeah. and, and, that's, and, and that to me is, is, is the thing to, to recognise it. Now, I know that, um, that particularly my parents' generation, I mean, it, it was, it was actual physical abuse that some parents would would have inflicted on their on their children, and they did, and they thought they were do, that what they were doing was was a way of disciplining a child. So sometimes people do they thought that was a way to ensure the child wouldn't um, you know wouldn't do the same thing again. And I know from from my parents' generation, it created massive resentment and anger towards their parents, and they learned nothing from it at all. Now, so I think it's really good that that physical chastisement has been banned, and I think it's also important that. The, the parents are given support where they need it about, well, what's, what's the appropriate form of discipline for children? And what, you know, what are the healthy forms of discipline? What's recommended? Well, well, I think, I, I think first of all, I mean, it, it, one of the things that people say is, 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 is appropriate consequences to, to you know, to behaviour. So, 
so so if a child if a child does something like you know they throw you know they they come in their bad humor they throw everything around the place and they they you know storm off and they and they they don't want to pick it up so I think what I would say to that situation what what the parent needs to think about is they can say the impact that that has had on them like they can say I'm I'm feeling very very cross I don't like your behavior and if there is a treat plan for for that day the child doesn't get it. You know, you say, you know, because you've done that, it's not acceptable behaviour, therefore I'm doing this. But the child understands the consequence mm. between what they've done and what the what the punishment is. But I think the, the important thing, I think, that is key is, is that the parent always stresses it's the behaviour, it's not the child. Yeah. It's not, it's not that you don't love the child. You can say, I don't like you. I don't like you at the moment when your behaviour is like that. I still love you, but I don't like you. So, so constantly you're helping a child understand about relationships and what's acceptable and what's, and what's unacceptable. You know, I think that's really, really important. Um, because because I know it can be it, it, it can be hard to think about what is the appropriate discipline. And I remember once, you know, when I was a social worker, there was a really fantastic foster parent that I worked with. And one of the things she used to do, and she had a lot of children in her house, she used to say to them, if a child did something that was unacceptable, she'd say, "You're on punishment," and I let you know what that punishment is, is when I have a time to think about what's the right, what's the appropriate punishment. So it gave her a time to think and not react. Mm. But you know what she had? She was, this, is, this is incredibly clever now. You might find this hard to believe, but she was, the children enjoyed so much spending time with her that it was a treat to be able to, 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 to help with the washing up. It was a treat to do anything. To, I mean, it was yeah. really skilled stuff, you know? So I think that it's, it's about rethinking through what are the consequences. And if you're parenting with another parent, you, 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 can, talk through, you can talk it through together. I mean, I know that, that sometimes what, what, what people who talk about what they do, they might, say, they might say to a child, I'm really disappointed in your behaviour. And they let the child recognise that that is how the parent feels. And children usually hate disappointing their parents. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, so it's, it's a really clever way of, of, of just, just being really frank with, in a very emotionally mature way with a child about the impact. And that's obviously for an older child, you know. And then the consequences, you must follow through. I mean, no means no. You can't change your mind then a couple of hours later if, for example, it was a treat that you were, the, the, the child was going yeah. somewhere and you were told, no, you're not going there now because of what you did this morning. You can't then in the afternoon change your mind. Exactly. And you know what, you know, exactly. And that can be very, very hard, particularly if the adult was looking forward to the treat as well, you know. Yeah. Well, I think you can even say to the child, and I'm disappointed because I wanted to go on this treat, you know, but you're really, what you're showing there is you're, you're showing consistency, which I think is, which I think is really, really important. Um, yeah. And I suppose, yeah, for any parent, it can be very hard because the child can really react, you know. They might make your life a bit miserable for a while, you know, if, if you're not giving them what they what they want, you know. I was I was reading a piece um, over the weekend where somebody was saying shouting and and you know when a parent loses it, whereas just everything is getting too much of them, that that sort of losing it and shouting is almost the new slapping, especially when you see it in public. And you will see it when you're out. You will see a parent yeah. completely lose the cool and roaring at the child, and it's yeah. so frightening on a little one. You're absolutely right. It really is, and it's very hard to watch that, isn't it? I mean, one of the things that that, that I think that, that that I would say to a parent in that situation, you know, I mean, look, we're all human. We can lose the rag sometimes, but I would say that if what I would, it would be a lovely thing to model for a child to say, look, I'm really sorry. I was very cross and very angry. I'm sorry if I frightened you. And if it's something to do with the child's behaviour, you then say, but however, you know, Johnny. You know, I was very upset by what you did, or I was very worried you might hurt yourself. You know, so you're, you're again, you're 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 modelling for a child. First of all, that you know, sometimes adults do lose the rag. Secondly, they're able to apologise, which is a lovely thing to to model for a child. And thirdly, you can explain why. You know, yeah. but I do think, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think emotional, that sort of emotional stuff. Um, it can be outburst. as damaging. 
very damaging. Yeah. And also because adults probably have no idea about how they sound or the expression on their face. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And for a small child, that is absolutely terrifying because because they because they're because small children are so egocentric. They think everything's about them. So then that again, they'll think, oh, my God, I'm bad or I'm terrible. They won't re- they won't be able to realize this is just because maybe their mum or dad's had a really bad day. Yeah, you know, yeah there's been a, there's, there's, there's a yeah, lot going so on. Would you, you advise parenting courses, Suzanne, for, for parents under pressure? Yeah, I would, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would think I would think especially when you where you can meet um, other parents and, and, and talk about it, because I think that parenting is, you know, it's a hard job. But the, but the great thing about it is your children really love you. And, you know, there's there's so much that you can you can you can enjoy your parenting so much when you have a chance to really reflect on it because you know you're bringing you're bringing up young babies, children who are going to be adults. And I think the other thing I would say to parents: the more you understand yourself and your own emotions and how you manage your own behaviour, and the, 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 the more effective a parent you'll be. And children, children just really want a positive relationship with you, and it's really worth investing and talking to other parents as well. But the other thing is not having you know not being tough on yourself either. You know, mm-hmm. because um, you're doing the best that you can do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Listen, great talking to you. Great words yes, of advice, uh, Suzanne. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us. That is uh, Suzanne Connolly, who is CEO of uh, Bernardo's, uh, once again backing up and very much in favour of that slapping down those inches. It's hard to believe that it is uh, four years ago, uh, but backing up that study from the paediatrician last week, confirming that it has long-term negative effects. Tim disagrees, though, and says, Trish, you seem to be a promoter of the slapping ban. Wake up. And look at the lawless generation growing up thanks to that ban. Just to let you know, our phone lines have been particularly busy this morning. I know there's a backup, there's a number of calls on hold. So just to bear with us, you can always text our WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, last Thursday, West Cork councillor Danny Collins spent a very pleasant evening at Skull Community College welcoming home Fionn Ferreira following his global win at the Google Science Fair in California. On his return journey, he witnessed something that wasn't too pleasant. And Councillor Danny Collins uh, joins me to explain more. Good morning to you, Danny. Morning. Now, now Danny, I I can't clearly make out what was dumped from your photograph, but they were large items. What were they and where did you find them? Basically, what was dumped um, at the top of Barnagia, which would be between Bantry and Bellady Hub on the main in 71, was um, three mattresses and a bed board and the and frame of a bed really on the side of the road, Patricia. So somebody having a good clear-out? Somebody having a good clear-out, yes, maybe. But um, also what's happening, Patricia, is um, we have um, waste collectors, you know, happening around collecting rubbish around, we say, certain parts of the county. And these waste collectors, they don't have permits for collecting waste. And they'll come to, we say, the different households and they'll, collect your rubbish at a small fee and what I've been, been told basically is like this is not going to to um, we say dumps basically and these are being dumped in areas such as we say where where I, where I witnessed there on top of Arnagia last week and, and different areas in woods and areas around uh, West Cork and, and the county. So these bog, they're bogus uh, collectors are they calling to people's homes offering this service? Yes they're calling uh, and since I put up this um, um, post there last um, Thursday evening um, I got a phone call from one lady who told me who, who knew some knew some um, people out there who were collecting rubbish and like I said to her I gave her a phone number and last week um, on the Southern Star um, Cork County Council had 
um, an ad asking people to report these bogus um, waste collectors and to report them to the, the Cork County Council um, Environment um, Office. And uh, 021-428-5417 and I'll give that number out uh, again as well at the end of my interview with Danny. Uh, so householders genuinely are not aware. They're, you know, they're handing over their hard-earned cash thinking that, you know, the friendly Johnny who's turned up at the door to collect rubbish is going to bring it yes, to a local uh, dump and then it gets... Chips in a, in a scenic view, but 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 if there's something contained in it that could lead, say, the rubbish back to me. Well, like with this old um, tree bed mattresses and a bed frame, and and uh, with uh, the headboard, what you call it, you, you couldn't really, um, you know, trace it back to anyone in particular. So, there, so they're like, clever like, enough. They're, they're clever enough, really, and basically, look, this is happening. Also, what is happening too, like you, especially this time of year. You have um, different um, vans and things out um, selling furniture and different items. And they, they, what I'm like, they, what I believe as well is they'll say, "Oh, look, we we'll take your old mattress away, or we we'll take your oh. old bed away." And look, this is what this is what's happening. Then they're just dumping it at the side of the road as well. So look, you no, know, these are the things that are happening. It's very, very sad to see it happening, especially like this part of um, um, area you know, where it happened in Barnegia. This is overlooking, we say, Bellley Hub and and uh, over to Cape Clear, Shark in a beautiful scenic area, and a lot yeah. of cars pull in there to just take pictures, especially our tourists, take pictures of this um, area. But um, it's very sad. Also, I must, I must, I, I did report it following morning on, on Friday morning to our environment um, officer in, in West Cork, Teddy Brown, and I must, I must thank him and Joe Newman from Derry Connell, who were very promptly got got it cleared up that morning afterwards. So. Thank, I'll have to thank my the staff of... Uh, yeah, well done, well done. But such a waste of resources. Those people could be doing, you know... Yeah, but that, that's the sad thing about it. But look, there's people out there and that's what they're doing. Yeah, and what I, yeah. what I would ask um, householders to refrain freely on, from giving your rubbish to these um, waste collectors. Or, or just ask them first, have their permit? Yeah. And if they don't have a permit, Sorry, no. On on your merry way. And wasn't it ironic, Danny, that you were coming from young Fionn's homecoming, bearing in mind that his project is hoping to protect the environment? Yes, his project, uh, like uh, this lad, like he's he's inspirational the way he spoke even last um, Thursday evening at the lovely homecoming in in Skull Community College. Like he's his project that won the the Global Science Award in, um, in California there last week. Is to do with um, cleaning plastic nozzles from um, from the sea. Yeah, and look, like this, this they reckon like there's a there's a big thing behind this, and like he won fifty thousand dollars. It was his prize money, and like he explained afterwards, he's going to put that money basically into the project he has done, try to promote it more and and get it going. So, like I'd like to wish Fionn um, best of luck in the future because. I can. I'd say we'll be hearing a lot, lot more. Uh, yeah, I I spoke with him uh, last week. What a wonderful, confident young man as well. And I just thought, you know, the future is bright when you have a lot of people like Fionn in the world. Yes. You know, I mean, it was it was terrific. So so it was ironic and sad to see that you go to something where somebody is trying to promote a cleaner environment, and then some gurriers can think it's okay just to yes. dump beds on the side of the road. Bed, and it's like, what's annoying as well, Danny, is that there are recycling facilities in West Cork that could take them. Well, yes, we have um, Derry Connell in in, um, in between Valley Hub and Skull, and we have Peston Bear, which I've welcomed there recently. Um, the opening hours of Derry Connell, which I've been pushing big time for the last year, year and a two years 
in the council um, the opening hours have been extended for five or six weeks during the summer um, the opening hours now they're open on Mondays now as well so um, I've been pushing for this for a long time because I basically to see a dump closed on a Monday I always said was not good news because especially in a tourist area like West Cork where you have a lot of people where who maybe have houses and they come down for weekends and they head back on a Monday yeah, and they point. have nowhere to dump their rubbish. Good point. And, um, so, so it's it's so it's 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 open on Mondays now for the summer. Yes. Okay. Um, but you got that's Derry Connell in Skull. Um unfortunately this is I'd say kind of a pilot team Cockrock also doing to see how how will it be used much so I'm hoping like people out there will spread the word and use it so the show like it's needed, basically. Okay. All right, Danny, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Okay. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is West Cork Independent Councillor Danny Collins and the number of the environmental section of Cork County Council, particularly if you know of anybody going around offering the services to collect your rubbish. Are they bogus collectors? If so, call 021 And I'm also told there's delays in around the McCroom Road area in Bandon and that is because the beef movement plan that we were focused on all last week, they are once again continuing their protests uh, this morning in Bandon so if you're in and around that area be prepared you can expect delays do your best I think if you uh, need to have business in and around Bandon to avoid the area if at all possible 1850 John Paul is taking your calls text or WhatsApp 086 to 103 103 we're going to take a break we have news at 11 uh, on the way in the next hour we'll be finding out more about uh, Simon Celebrity Seas we're playing it for the first time on uh, this programme and it's our way of saying thank you to you for our latest listenership figures C103 Anthems Mornings from nine and evenings at seven. Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I want to bring you a message that came in at the end of the programme last Friday and unfortunately it was a very lengthy message and I didn't have a chance to get to it but I did promise the person who sent it that I would pick up on it today and it is to do with the farmers who have been protesting outside the APB plant in uh, Bandham and it reads Hi Patricia, regarding the beef plan and the protests at the meat factory in Bandham I'm a 22 year old and who's farming at home I spend all night on Tuesday standing outside APB in Bandon with fellow members as uh, I was and was there from 8pm on Wednesday night until 8.30 the following morning. Time that may well have been spent in the local pub. We're putting time and everything we have on the line, going without a night's sleep and facing into our jobs the following morning. When lorries and fellow farmers come along and drive straight past us, from listening to other farmers over the last few days, it's heartbreaking and completely disheartening. Listening to stories, especially from both elderly farmers and also from young farmers trying to make a living from farming. 
Yes, I understand a comment from one of your listeners about retraining in a different career if beef farming isn't paying. But without farmers, what do we have? Nothing. No milk, no meat, etc. Yes, most farmers nowadays are also working a second job and they do that for financial reasons. But how can Larry Goodman make up make up to €200,000 profit a day? I could keep writing to you all day it is totally, totally unfair. Why should we be fighting for fellow farmers to get a better price when they go against us and drive straight through us? When nurses were picketing, did you see half the nurses protesting and the other half going against them? No, they all stood together to support one another. Us young farmers don't know what's going to happen to us tomorrow, not to mind years down the line. It's our livelihoods. This is our future. Without farming, all of us have nothing. Thanking you. And as I said, that came in at the close of the programme on uh, Friday. The protest outside the meat plant in Bandon continues this morning. And joining me from there, from the beef plan movement, once again, is Helen O'Sullivan. Uh, good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm, I'm very well. You continued to protest across the weekend, did you? We did. We did, Patricia. Um, we're protesting here now. This is our 10th day, um, uh, 24-7. Uh, so 10th day and nine nights. That's tough going. So, it's very tough going. Um, you know, I never thought I'd see the day where I'd have to stay in a Jeep outside ABC factory. It's not very comfortable. I certainly wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know, but I, we're prepared to do what we have to do to get a fair price for our farmers. And it's great to see so many people here. I think the momentum has gathered so much, Patricia. People have gathered from all over. It's just been unbelievable, the atmosphere here in the day and the night. And it's great to meet these people, you know. And we, I've met some wonderful, wonderful people here, people that I'll never forget. They're never going to be like my extended family now at this stage. And it's just very positive to see this. And you know? are, are some farmers still trying to do business at the meat yes. factory? Yes, there is, Patricia, and, you know, it is very disheartening to see that, but, you know, I know, I know, like, they're being, you know, it's hard for them to refuse money. They're getting offered more money than what we are, so they're kind of enticed to cross over that picket line, which is a shame. Um, it would be great if we could all stand together and, you know, uh, fight for this one cause, because they just need to see the bigger picture, just because they're getting offered a 50 cent kg more than what we were getting. That's not going to last forever. That'll only last for a week or two while, you know, or however long this protest will go on because the factories are starved of, of cattle. They do not have meat in storage, so they need to fill their orders. So they're prepared to give a higher price to get their cattle in. So I would love very much, and I must say that 99% of the farmers here in Bandon and in the local area are absolutely fantastic, and they have stayed on our side and haven't crossed the, p- the picket line. On so why, what's farmers from outside the area coming in? A lot of farmers are coming from outside the area. Unfortunately, there was a few local ones, which was very disheartening to see. And um, But the majority of them would be from outside of the area, coming from up the country. There was a driver here on Sunday from Monaghan. Now, I know he picked up some local cattle on the way in, not too far here from the factory. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just terrible how they kind of work a system where they'll send the local haulier up the country and bring down... Uh, a haulier from up the country down to down here, you know, to try and get those cattle in over the, the picket line because they are starved of cattle. Uh, they need our cattle uh, because they don't have any of this meat in storage that they've been telling us for years. And that is only another way of keeping the price of our cattle down, Patricia. And you, and, and as farmers, I'm assuming, Helen, you need to sell as well. We do, we do, Patricia. We need to sell and, you know, we need to farm. I'm here 10 days now. There's other farmers here 
they need to farm as well. And, you know, all of, all of our farming has been put on hold. And I understand people need to sell their cattle because their cattle are coming up to 30 months. But again, uh, Patricia, this is another anti-competitive practice that needs to go. And I've asked Mr. Creed to get rid of the 30 month. There's no need to have it there. When you go into a shop, Patricia, you don't have a shelf where it says, here we have 30 month cattle. Mm. Here we have 36. So that the 36 month cattle will be cheaper. It doesn't. It's all the same price in the shop, Patricia. It's very yeah, we, yeah, doing. yeah. We, it, it's, it's never marked. You know, it's it, never, you know, yeah. There's an awful lot of these anti-competitive practices put out there diminishing the markability of our meat. Another one is the four-movement rule. If you move your animal more than four times, automatically it drops down by about 12 cent. Yeah. But again, there's no shelf in the shop saying this meat has been moved four or five times, so you'll get it cheaper as opposed to the one that has been moved twice. Yeah, well, it's that wrong. was the one Very point wrong. that kept we kept emphasising and listeners kept talking yes. about last week. It certainly mm-hmm. isn't passed on uh, to the consumer. I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of it, Patricia, is corporate greed and our government are turning a blind eye to it. I'm, I'm asking Mr. Creed to come out now if you're listening. Please come out and support the farmers. Stand up for us and help us get a fair deal for a price. For, get a fair price for our cattle. That's Actually, somebody was on to us earlier saying that they listened with interest all across last week to the farmers uh, protesting on the boat. This was James Infomoy. And what James Infomoy noticed was the lack of politicians who were speaking out and supporting uh, the farmers. Um, yes. Have you had politicians come out and support you? Yes, we've had. We've, um, uh, we've had Michael Collins here nearly every day since we've been here and he's stayed with us one of the nights as well. Um, the Healy Rays were down with us here yesterday. We had Danny Healy Ray and Michael Healy Ray, which, you know, it was, they really lifted our spirits down here. And we, you know, they. Um, kind but of, they're all, they're the independents. They're, the, they're, they're, independent. they're in the opposition. They're Any the government opposition. TD come down to you? Um, yes, we had Margaret Murphy here okay. on the very first day that we came. Margaret Murphy, O'Malley, Fianna Fáil TD, she came here the very first day. Anyone from Fianna Gael? Um, Nigel, no, there's nobody here from Nigel. No. no, all right, no. All right. okay. Because uh, James is saying, I feel politicians come around to the farm gate looking for the votes, but where yeah. are they all at now? How yes. now? You've upped the ante slightly today. I'm told. Are we you have, are you now blocking have. the entrance? We have, Patricia. We have because you know, unfortunately, um, our protest protesters are put at risk. Um, a lot of these drivers are driving in here erratically, and you know, unless we put up the ante, they're going to continue doing that. So. We've started this morning that we're not letting absolutely anything in here this morning regarding cattle because, um, you know, we were spoke, spoke to a person there and he said he'd be back again Thursday and Friday. So they're not they're not heeding what we're doing. I mean, as much as what I love Bannon and, and the people of Bannon, Bannon, they're fantastic. But I don't want to be staying here for the next three or four weeks. You know? Are you allowed? Are you allowed to do that? Are you breaking any laws by blocking not, the entrance no, to me? Okay, we're, we are peacefully doing our, our protest. We're walking around in a circle, and we're allowed. You know that this is our constitutional right. Okay, so we have a right to do this. Has anyone from the meat factory come out and asked you to remove the truck that's blocking the entrance? No, we have no truck blocking the entrance, um, Tricia. It's our people, people power. We're walking oh, around right. in a circle. Okay. So we're not physically blocking the entrance. We've but you're not stepping out there. of the way when a truck comes. No, we're not. No. no, we're not, because we have a constitutional right to peacefully protest, and that's what we're doing here, Patricia. Okay. Because we want we want to get a proper price for our cattle, and if people are keep crossing the picket line, this is not going to happen. How long do you expect to remain outside? I suppose, Patricia, how long is a piece of string? Um, you know, we the government hasn't made any attempt whatsoever to um, to meet with us. Um, the Beef Plan Movement has sent a letter to the meat industry of Ireland, to Cormac Healy, 
Um, so we're waiting on him to get back to us. Um, now, we had good news this morning. The IFC have come on board with us. They're okay. fully supporting us, which is great. All right. Um, you know, we, we don't mind who joins us. It can be the IFA, the ICS. We don't care what par- um, what farm organisation it is. As long as we have people power, Patricia, to represent the farmer and to get a fair deal for the farmer. That's all we're looking for here today. And as and that I'm, young and farmer writing to, as that young farmer yes. writing to me uh, was saying, you know, it's hard to fight for fellow farmers and to see people pass the picket. You want a united front on this. Yes, you see, this is it. We want an in, a united front, Patricia. And unfortunately, what the factories are doing here, they're trying to divide the farmers by offering them a higher um, money uh, for their cage, mm. pair of cage yeah. for cattle. So this okay. is what we want to do. We want the farmers to unite. We want them to all stand together and fight for the one thing, and that's a fair deal for the cattle, for, for our cattle that are coming in here, okay. uh, which is a cost of production plus a margin production. That's all we're looking for. And again, I'm asking Mr. Creed to come out now and stand up for the farmers and help us now and stop hiding behind closed doors. Are there traffic delays there no, this morning? No, no, everything's running very smoothly. Oh, is it okay? All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, I just want to say as well, Patricia, I just would like to thank the Gardaí here and also the people of Bandon, and we're very sorry for causing this this um, um, disruption here. Um, but they've been very good, and I'd like to also like to thank Billy Callahan that has provided us here with hot food here since we came, and the locals. They've been fantastic. I mean, like one person said here last night, they said, Helen, what are we going to do when you go here with your, with your cattle box? What are we going to do? It's been a fierce social thing, Patricia. <laughs> and the momentum has been gathering, yeah. and the people have been gathering. It's fant- I'm actually probably going to miss Maybe not to sleep arrangements, but yeah, yeah. To people. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. people meeting up with other people. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, well, keep in contact uh, with us, uh, Helen, and um, thanks for Christian. thanks for joining Listen, thank us. Thank you very much for for airing this. No problem, no problem. Thanks, thank thanks much. for joining us. Uh, bye bye, Helen o- O'Sullivan, who is a member of. Uh, the group, the the Beef Plan Movement and they are continuing to protest outside the APB meat factory in Bandon and of course there's other protests going on in other plants around the country. A couple of outages to tell you about in Dunmanway. There's an electricity outage outage this morning affecting Dunmanway's surrounding areas. ASB networks are working to restore electricity in that area and we also had a call in to say that the pump repair works there's pump repair works going on this morning and it's going to affect supply in Lombardstown, Gertrude, Glantown and the surrounding areas until six o'clock uh, today. Some of your calls coming in on drugs and drug taking and that young lad who passed away following his attendance at the festival on Friday. Vincent in Newmarket said they are, these are intelligent people, but surely if people realise what they're putting into their body has consequences People can die. People need to take responsibility for their own uh, actions. And I think the majority of people do. But when you're young, you think you're invincible, uh, Vincent. And we were all young once. Noreen says we were in A&E when that lad was admitted um, and all hell broke loose. The staff and the paramedics were just uh, amazing and came to their aid. But you could see the staff acting so fast. CUH was particularly busy over the weekend, uh, says uh, Noreen, but the staff did their very, very best to try to keep that young man alive. And Mike says, thanks for that, Noreen. Mike says, my deepest sympathy to young Jack Downey's family. Is the government, though, sending out the wrong signal 
regarding drugs with the new laws that were introduced last week. And what Mike is talking about was the the government announced plans for dealing with personal drug use, which will see first time offenders referred to the HSC for health screening. The changes that we made as part of new health led approach to personal drug use. And the idea behind it is, is instead of criminalising those found with drugs, the approach, according to the government, will aim to connect people who use drugs with health services to support them on the path to the recovery. In the first instance, if somebody is found in possession, Gardaí will refer the person to the health services. In the second incidence, the Gardaí will have discretion to issue an adult caution and the third and further offences will then be treated within the criminal justice system, as is the case currently on a first offence. And, you know, part of it uh, tied in with what we've been talking about on uh, this programme with the uh, the young man from Formoy and the problems he's having um, trying to get his visa sorted out in the States and that was to do with, you know, very minor offences when he was younger. So the idea is that, and this is just a personal use, this isn't talking about somebody who's actually dealing drugs. This is this is for personal use, but the idea would be you get them into the services and maybe by connecting them into the services you might persuade them and talk to them about drugs and about how dangerous drugs is instead of sending them straight to the courts and just giving them a criminal record. That's the, but anyway, Mike feels, is that telling young people that it's okay, that if you get caught, you're not going to end up in in jail sort of thing. And I can see a number of people are sending on deepest sympathies to Jack Downey's uh, family. Uh, dreadful, dreadful what they are going through at the moment. And then on the slapping of children that we spoke about. Uh, hi, Patricia, what a load of rubbish. As... When I was growing up, if I did wrong, my mother bet me black and blue and it never did me any harm. And that signed a disgusted listener to hear that there's a ban on slapping in this country. While Michael in West Cork says, Hi Trisha, agree 100% with what that nice lady was saying. The nice lady was Suzanne Connolly from Bernardo's. Um, my... Trish, my sisters and I were never slapped and we all turned out great, says uh, Mike from West Cork. And I know there was a WhatsApp in as well on the ban on slapping, saying, Hi Patricia, the ban on smacking and the lack of boundaries set towards disciplining children today seems to be causing children to develop more antisocial behaviour. I raised four children. None of them have held their strict upbringing against me. I have a wonderful and open relationship with each and every one of them now. They've all become very responsible citizens. They don't take drugs and they all have meaningful employment. They are now setting similar boundaries of discipline for their own young families and are constantly being complimented on their impeccable behaviour and manners. Just observed some parents today who just don't seem to know how to control their children. Uh, and I don't quite know, are you saying that the ban on smacking and the lack of boundaries set against disciplining children seems to be, are you saying that you were in favour of smacking children? I think, as I think, the one thing that Bernardos are trying to get across is there's another way to do it. You can still set the boundaries. And absolutely, if you set boundaries, but it's how you set the boundaries. And by setting boundaries, you're teaching children how to develop into uh, proper Proper is probably the wrong word, but you're, you're teaching children self-esteem, I suppose, is the, is the right word for them to grow up into happy and healthy 
young adults. That's what you're hoping to achieve. And we all do our best as parents. We don't always get it right, but sometimes we can get it very, very wrong. And I think when we're talking about, you know, the, the slapping and the extreme cases of slapping that almost borders on abuse, that's where we're talking about things being very wrong. And that then can lead on to the kind of cases and the effect that it can have later in life. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls. C103 Jobs. Full and part-time store assistance required for fixed line depot that's based at Quartertown Industrial Estate. Childbind required to look after two children. It's two to three two to three days per week and it's in the Mill Street area and carpenters and labourers are wanted for immediate start in the North and West Cork areas and full-time experienced office yard assistant wanted for an agribusiness in the Bandon area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. To celebrate C103's latest listenership figures, we're giving away thousands of euro with Simon's Celebrity Seas. And instead of Simon playing his... I meant to do the introduction first. Instead of Simon just playing Celebrity Seas on The Breakfast Show, we're going to be playing it all day. So we've invited Simon Murdoch, presenter of... What do you call your breakfast show? What, you did, what do you... What, what, uh, excuse Quickly, me? Paul, what's it called? Is it, is it, Cork Small Cork's Music Breakfast. Cork Small Music Breakfast. Yeah, I was, I was cool. it's, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> It's like it's like all the matters is between ten and one. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's all about Simon's celebrity sees. So we've invited Simon to join us in studio just to explain a little bit more. Okay, you currently do it twice a day. Th- uh, three, three times: seven twenty, eight twenty, nine twenty. Nine twenty. Uh, and for uh, for a limited time only. Okay. We are going to expand this across the day. So yourself, Nick. Uh, Martina on drive time I think John is in today for Martina who might be off sunning herself Okay, uh, So we just do it once on our programmes Yeah Okay. Well, well uh, no, I think the guys are going to do it a couple of times oh, are they? Well we're just doing it once here Do you know what do as much as you want Okay Alright we're looking for callers now if anybody wants to play for the first time on this programme I'm quite excited about that Celebrity Seas 1850 I need to play them do I now Do I play the Seas now That would be helpful Who are these C C and C who are? It sounded like CC and C. Is this the last person play, say and C? Play it again. C. C and C. Yeah, C and C. Uh, it sounds like C and C. Anyway, get dialing 1850-333-103 if you want to come on, have a quick chat. Just have a stab in the dark. It's two That's grand. It's two grand. Two yeah, grand no, no, we, need to, we need to talk about money here. It's uh, it's We've started on 2,000 today hmm. and then we add a little bit more every day. We'll throw in 100 euro into the, the kitty. Every day. Uh, every day until we get a winner. Okay. Now, like... It's it's a it's a tall order to, to, to guess three C's straight off yeah. the bat. So if someone wants to ring in and try and guess one of them, yeah. you know, if you think, yeah, I know that first one or that second one. Or that and then one. what you do is, yeah, if you know, you go with two wild, absolutely wild guesses for the other. So because we don't say to them the, the second one is right or the third one is right. We just say one of them is right. Well, do you know, is it? yeah, it might help people along you, the way you, if, yeah. if, they, if they need a little nudge. You and know? You, you were the only one in the building who has all the answers? The only person uh, in the world who has all the answers. Don't be dramatic. C. C and C. In the entire world. 1850-333-103 if you would like to have a go um, and come on with myself and uh, Simon. And how long, what's the longest it's gone on for? We had one batch of them that went on for about 
was it four months maybe the bones of anyway what's maybe the top dollar half, you've given away a couple of grand have you so, and, so, and so, we're to, so to start at two grand I think 2,100 and something yeah but to start at 2,000 is, is, is yeah, a whopper that will that will kick off very quick have you yeah. thought about this well uh, <laughs> I'm not sure is it is have it, the powers that be thought about this it, well listen we might not be able to pay next month's electric it'll go up 500 <laughs> euro a week yeah. I've just worked this out yeah because we play exactly. Monday to Friday yeah so it'll go up 500 oh yeah. Big, are listen, you sure you we're not messing around before here before we start playing this game I want my we all want our wages next month okay uh, let me go to Caroline Kavanagh who's this thing in County Clare huh? um, good morning to you Caroline Good morning, Patricia. How are you keeping this uh, morning? I'm very well. Where in County Clare are you? Kildyser's in County Clare. Okay, <laughs> lovely part. Banner. Lovely part of the country. Let me play this. C. C and C. Okay, who do you think the C, C and C? Who do you think they are, Caroline? Lisa, Lisa McHugh, um, David Gray, and Declan O'Rourke. Okay, over to you. Any of them right? Zero. Oh, no. okay. oh, well, it's worth no. a try. It's worth a try. Well done. We've la- we've at least we can tick those three off the list. Yeah, I wonder. Like, should we make Lisa it a McHugh list of wrong answers? Yeah, I think we should. I think online. we should start doing that. Yeah, okay. All right. Listen, Caroline. Thank you for that. You are the first person to take part on this program, so we're quite excited about that. Have a good thank day. Thank you very much. You too. Bye. Thank Patricia. you. Bye bye. And a regular Bye-bye. Charlie Bye-bye. Charlie Bye-bye. Duggan in Whelan. Re- regular two celebrity C's yeah. I do believe yes, Charlie yes. me old, me old mucker <laughs> is, is Charlie a big friend of yours is Charlie's he? an old pal of mine is now he? in the mornings yeah. Yeah. yeah Charlie loves a bit of celebrity C's does he never gets them right though do you Charlie no no <laughs> you've never won come no. on Charlie no okay it's always the first have us hang on now C C and C okay C C C who is it Charlie Kathy Thomas Brian, Brian O'Driscoll and Vaux uh, Williams Vaux mm. Williams yeah okay yeah, not bad, Charlie. Good guesses? No. No. Ah, <laughs> oh well. Okay. Right, right, Have right, a nice day. Right, right. And, Char- and Charlie will try again. Won't he? he Charlie's will. great. He'll try again tomorrow and, and, and But they're the backbone, the ones that keep trying and keep chipping away at it. So our three C's, like, as, you, as you can probably tell, there's a, there's a lady C. in there. C and C. And two chaps. Yeah, the, the ladies first. C. C and C. Yeah, they're two chaps at the end. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They all sound Irish. C. C and C. Do you think? They're all Irish accents, are they? No? Dunno. C. C and C. I don't know. John Paul, do you think they're all Irish accents? Don't know. John Paul. Mm. Does he know? He's got a kind of a grin on his face as if he knows the answer, doesn't he? Know? You haven't told John Paul the answers, I have you? Categorically. Have not. Have not. Oh no, he looks like he knows the answer. He's not any good at lying, is he? John Paul can't lie. I'd be, I'd be getting a phone that's call. That's what I love then. about John Paul. He's so honest. He I'd can't be getting lie. phone calls from, 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 from some fella claiming to be. Not one of John Paul's friends. Okay. I'm definitely not one of John Paul's friends. Okay. All right. Right. So now what happens is this afternoon on uh, Nick's show, Nick will play again and you'll be on the phone line, yeah. is it? Because yeah. you do have to leave the building at some stage. I have to go home at some stage. Okay. Kill me. So you'll be on the phone and then you'll be able to tell Nick if the person's right or wrong. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. I love having this, the power. This is <laughs> great. How long does it normally take before we get one or... Because it's great. Well, we get on to the two answers yeah. and we're fighting on the last one. And so uh, many the last couple, of, last couple of goals on this, on the breakfast show, people have been pretty quick and pretty good getting, right. the, uh, yeah. getting the first one. Yeah. Um, and I think one of these three yeah. will go fairly quickly as well. 
So you're listening and you, you're, you're kind of saying you can't work out how people don't know it's so obvious. When you know the answer, it's very obvious. Yeah. Do you know how long it takes to find people saying C? I know. Yeah, but it's not, it's not the letter C. It's like C-U, isn't it? It could be so wait and see or yeah. C. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to give us the statement? I would say no more. You, don't, say you no won't more. even give us the sentences of what they were not saying when they were doing no. no. Okay, once again. C. C and C. Okay, Simon's Celebrity C's. Your chance to play and win all day long. And if we don't have a winner today, but we've got more chances this afternoon, it will go to €2,100. That is a lot of money. Mm. Okay, thank you for that. A way off with you to do whatever you do. I don't know what you do when 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 you leave the program. But the hardest working individual ah, yeah, in this okay, building. Well, yeah, go 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 do that then. Thank you. We'll talk again tomorrow. That is Simon Murdoch from the Breakfast Show helping us play Simon's Celebrity Seas. Thousands of you tune in to C103 every day. Now you can win thousands of euro. To say thank you for listening to C103, Simon's Celebrity Seas will now play across the entire day. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. Tune in to win weekdays from 6am on C103. And just on the protest that we spoke about earlier that's continuing at the APP meat factory in Bandon and somebody was asking the question already of the politicians local politicians, national politicians or any of them outstanding and supporting the farmers. I've just had a text in from West Cork Sinn Féin Councillor Paul Hayes to say hi Patricia and he sends on a picture. I was happy to stand with the farmers outside the APB factory in Bandon last week. I believe they have a genuine grievance as their livelihoods are under serious threat. Having spent years building up the quality of their produce to a celebrated world class standard, the Government and Minister for Agriculture now appear to be turning their backs on our rural neighbours and letting farm families go to the wall to appease the corporate greed of Larry Goodman and other large meat processors. It's absolutely outrageous that factories are ringing around offering certain farmers a higher price for their cattle essentially bribing them to pass the picket. I hope that the majority of farmers will see the bigger picture and not pass the picket. Minister Creed can no longer sit on his hands either. He needs to intervene to ensure farm families are given a fair price for their produce and can sustain a viable business for themselves and future generations to come. Kind regards. That's uh, West Cork Sinn Féin Councillor Paul Hayes. Thank you for that, Paul, to 0862103103. Let's leave that topic there for a moment because I want to move on because the makers of the highly successful television programmes Operation Transformation and the restaurant are currently in production with a new TV show called What planet are you on? And they're looking for households to participate. Joining me with details, the executive producer, Philip Camp. Good morning to you, Philip. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm I'm very good and you're welcome to the programme. Now, this is a a factual reality series. What will you be asking households to do? Yeah, no, we... we, uh, when we started looking at it, we, we said, OK, how, what's the best way to approach this? And I really, we've been working on it now for three or four months and I've, it's been an eye-opener to me. I mean, what we wanted to do was take a very sort of practical approach uh, to it because I think when you look at climate change, it all becomes too enormous and then you, you end up doing nothing. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to look at, 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 at households just to see exactly what they do on a day-to-day basis, and then to see, from also from a practical point of view, could they make changes that will improve their impact on the environment? So the the idea is that we would we would get a number of households across the country who would t- 
take on, and it is a challenge, it's not a competition, but it is a challenge, and there is a reward for being successful in the challenge, uh, but essentially would open up their doors and let the scientists in. So what we're going to do is during a week in September, we're going to monitor in a house everything that they do from water use to heating to how many times they turn on the kettle to how many times they flush the toilet to how, what they put in their green bins. And then at the end of that week, the, the scientists will, will look at the data and then they will, a bit like the country, they will, will set the household a, a target that over the next two weeks they've got to improve their impacts on the environment by a particular percentage. And if they oh. achieve that, they get 2,000 well, euros. That's, that's so, so week one, they live as normal. You don't ask them to do week, anything yeah, different. Week one, okay. this is normal. And then, then we, we then sort of say, well, okay, when you do this, uh, you know, if you did this at a different time, that would actually help. Or if you, I mean, I've found that some, even just from working on this, I've found that some, uh, 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 stuff that I, I never even thought about. Like there's one expert that told me if we had a shower at night instead of the morning, we would be then using electricity that more or less would come from wind rather than coal. So actually, we could actually change the amount, we could lessen the amount of electricity that we get from coal rather than uh, wind just by taking a shower at night. They well, haven't fully adapted to taking a shower at night. But it, these are the things that we can actually start to do, you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's one of those things and often when we're, we're discussing, you know, climate change on the programme and the environment on the programme, you know, some people think, you know, it's the Indias and the Chinas of this world. They are the ones that we need to, we, we need to change their, the way they're doing it. But we all need to do our own little bit. We do. And it's it, funny, when you start doing it, and again, my family sort of accused me that every time I take up a show, I sort of bring it home with me, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I try to get them to go and do a park run on the Saturday morning when we're doing Operation Transformation, you know? And then I look and are you cooking? F- are, are you cooking but fabulous meals when you're doing the restaurant? I absolutely do. We, uh, <laughs> we all actually put on a lot of weight when we do the restaurant. It's impossible not to. But, um, but uh, so likewise, with this one, like, I've become, you know forensic around the green bins you know because there's lots of things I'm going look actually you can't put that in the green bin you know because once you start learning about it you go actually I've been putting stuff in the green bin yeah. you can't be and not even obvious stuff like we was in our kitchen we would have always had a plastic bag that you put all the stuff in for the green bin and then you put the plastic bag with all the stuff in the plastic bag that's a no no that's a no no yeah. no that was yeah. a no no yeah. And and one that I I took up lately that and it was somebody here suggested on on the program. This is to try to get you get stop us using the single use plastics. Was to stop using liquid sto- soap, which comes obviously in a single use container, and go back to bars of soap. And that's what I. Absolutely. That's what I, and it's a very small little one, but it's the one that we can all do. We can all do. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, the majority of people want to reduce their their carbon footprint. I think what I'm what I'm hoping and know that your program is going to achieve. Some are just unaware how to do it. I mean, that's what the program will achieve. It'll give us all the little tips and the pointers. And that's it. I think that's the really what we found is that I, I think you're right. I think the majority of people want to know what to do. You know, but we just haven't found a, a way to tell people what to do in the in their sort of. In, in, in as they go about their, their daily lives. And what we found with Operation Transformation is that by us watching other people trying to do something, we learn. As a, you know, and so we, we learn by other people's successes and by, and by their mistakes. And really, what we're, what we're looking for is, you know, three households who sort of go on that journey 
And then through us watching their journey, we'll start to go, okay, you know what? That's, uh, I should be doing that, or that's something I can absolutely do, or that's something that we're doing wrong as well, you know? Are there particular size households that you're looking for, Philip? No, or no. Uh, no, it can be, it can be, and it can be, it can be sort of any anything from, you know, a, a, a family to um, sort of three people who rent an apartment together to, it can be a, a, anything really, you know? I think we, we want people who, we're not looking, I suppose, people who know everything and are sort of doing it at the moment obviously will be less interesting to just yeah. like if you walked into our house today you would uh, you know I, I we need to make lots of changes do you know what I mean so yeah yeah so that's the that's the type of thing that we're just looking for average households to see to and I think it'll be interesting average households to just to see how they live now and can they actually make a change that has a significant impact if we all did then what they do. Because you know? I think the Green Schools programme that young children are becoming very environmentally aware, which I think is fantastic. I think th- I think they're essentially driving it. They're making us parents feel from time to time yeah. like we're doing it wrong. And ultimately, the consequences of what we do now will impact, will impact the, 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 you know, the, the children that are born today and the five-year-olds and the ten-year-olds and they're very quick to point out you shouldn't be doing that, you know? Yeah, it's their future. It is their future. It is their future. So yeah. filming, t- filming takes place in September, did you say? September and October, yeah. September and October. Do people just get used to the cameras? They do. You'd be surprised. And I, this is almost like giving your tricks away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if we were to start filming a day in the life of Patricia within about three hours, You'd have, you'd have forgotten we were even there, you know? Yeah, I know whenever I interview any of the, the Cork people who take part in Operation Transformation, they all say the very same thing. And some of the times we've sa- had some of the cameras in here uh, with them and I'm, I'm always saying, oh, did you get used to the camera? And literally they say within a couple of hours, you almost forget, 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 about, it. You forget yeah. about it. Okay, so yeah. Philip, if there's a family listening, they'd love to take part. How can they contact you? Okay, well, there's two ways. One is one is an email. It's called The show is called What Planet Are You On? So it's what planet are you on 2019 at gmail.com. So it's what planet are you on 2019 at gmail.com. The other one is our phone number, which is the Dublin number 01-864-1444. So 01-864-1444. And we have and all of those on, on file. Yeah, brilliant. And the, so and we'd love to hear from anybody, even if they just want to have a chat, if, you know, if they think, God, this might suit us or... You know, and like they don't have to make any commitments at this stage. Just have a chat with some of the people on the team and see if it's something that uh, they, they'd, they'd like to do, you know. OK, somebody says, please ask Philip how is Gay Byrne. He was 85 yesterday because Philip worked with him. That's from Catherine. That's true. I worked with him a long time ago. I haven't met, I met Gay about three, four years ago. And, uh, but I haven't, I haven't met him recently, but I do, I do hope he's, he's doing well. 85, he's doing well. He's doing well. 85, he's doing very well. Yeah. I learned an awful lot from Gay. He was, he, was it? Was it? Yeah. Goodness me! Goodness yeah. me! Uh, okay, so um, and when when do you expect us to be seeing the end result of the program on the TV? It on, it's going to be the three shows, the three hour long shows, and they're going to go across the Science Week on on RTE. Um, so it'll be 
it'll be the 10th of November. Okay, alright, you've actually got the date and everything. Alright, Philip, good yeah. luck with it. It sounds like a fascinating programme. I'm really looking forward to it already. And thank you, Patricia. And, well, really, really, really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thanks okay. for joining us. Uh, bye bye. Bye bye. Philip okay. Camp there uh, joining us. If you would like to take part in that, what planet are you on? Have a chat with the family. I think it could be a great bit of fun. And there is a competition uh, aspect to it. I think they're giving out a prize. Well, not a huge amount. money. I think it's uh, 2,000 euro. The successful family at the end uh, when you get your two weeks where you're shown this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you need to do. And if you manage to win that part of it, you could win a nice little prize for the family uh, as well. 1850. And well done to Catherine, by the way, for for copping who uh, Philip Camp was and how he started out his career working with the wonderful Gay Burn and happy birthday to Gay for yesterday 85 uh, years of uh, age John Paul's taking your calls at 1850 and actually when I'm talking about television programmes I did many people watch the programme last night I think it was on about half six was it when Michael met Davy. it was the little boy and a little boy called Michael O'Brien a little 11 year old boy called Michael O'Brien from County Kerry and he won all of our hearts when he was on the Late Late Toy Show last I was going to say December but it's on earlier than that it's around November isn't it and he's a little boy visually impaired uh, I'm assuming visually impaired from birth what a personality this child had and the show the programme last night with Davy Fitzgerald was just an absolute joy from start to finish. Michael, when he was on the Late Late Toy Show, was talking about how he was a big GAA, mad GAA fan, even though he's never physically watched a match. It's people telling him what's happening and he's picking up the excitement. And, you know, when the crowd roars, and then it's, he's picking up on all of that. And because we watched him at some of the matches and you could sense the excitement. It was palpable in young Michael. Anyway, he's a big fan of David Fitzgerald. He sees David Fitzgerald as one of his uh, favourite coaches and he would he got brought in David Fitzgerald came into the Late Late Toy Show and just it seemed on the spur of the moment said to him would you like to come down to the Wexford Hurlers and have a give a bit of an inspirational speech and of course young Michael was absolutely thrilled here he was with his hero asking him to spend time with him and then somewhere along the line someone decided this is going to make for magic TV and they literally followed him both it started out with him on the Late Late Toy Show and then you see young Michael in school preparing for this inspirational speech and working on the inspirational speech and then practising uh, it. And I, I'm telling you, when it got to the scene where he went into the dressing room with all of the Wexford hurlers and he needed to give this speech, I was so nervous for him. I literally, do you know when you're holding your breath with anticipation, please let it be okay? Because he was nervous himself that what if I forget the lines, you know, and I was thinking, oh God, let somebody prompt him if he forgets. And he went in there and he was fantastic. It was absolutely an inspirational speech. And he went on to inspire the Wexford hurlers who were up against it, completely up against it, against a much stronger Tipperary team on the day. And it and and I like to think that Joe Michael O'Brien made such an inspirational speech to those guys that they went out there and they did it and they won by a point and it was just it was excitement from start to finish but it was one of those programmes that you laughed and cried with uh, and just an absolute joy from start to finish as I say if you didn't see it can I suggest if you have the player 
catch, watch it because it is well worth watching when Michael met uh, Davy and well done to everybody involved and uh, I think that young lad Michael O'Brien he's only 11 he's got a great great uh, future ahead of him and he is just a credit to his family and a credit to his school uh, as well so well done to young Michael and well done also to young Davy Fitz and the entire Wexford hurling team On the farmers Morris says Patricia I'm not a farmer uh, nor do I come from a farming background but when I was growing up farming was always the backbone of this country Are the government doing what the British did years ago divide and conquer uh, says Maura who I sense from that feels we all should be supporting the farmers they are the backbone whether you come or never came from a farming background and on the death from with drugs with that young lad from Clamel Michael and Bantry says I feel so sorry for young people today I also feel very sorry about how freely available drugs are it seems to be so easy for young people to get drugs today and someone else was making the point about on drugs um, making the point I just can't find it I don't know if it came in as a WhatsApp or as, as a text uh, saying oh there it is uh, I can't understand says this texter why they're so strict on drink going into any of these concerts yes, yet drugs seem to always be readily available why don't they have sniffer dogs at all of these concerts and festivals and try to find out who's actually selling the drugs 1850 uh, in the next hour we'll catch up on your calls and comments coming into the programme and also offering advice with uh, Joe if you're living with somebody who suffers from depression You're listening to Cork Today on replay Phone and text lines are currently closed an email to Patricia at c103.ie from Chris. So, hi, Patricia. I visited an elderly lady in Bantry Hospital on Friday last. Every time I visit that hospital, I am more impressed with the staff. They are always happy, friendly, and they treat the patients with the greatest of respect. When you walk through the front door, the porter will say hello or will give you a wave. We hear all the negative things about our health service, but in my opinion, Bantry Hospital is particularly good and it is great to give credit where credit is due. So only too happy to read out that email. Thank you for that, uh, Chris. Everybody in Bantry Hospital, take a bow. Whatever you're doing, continue to do it because you are doing it so well. Some of your texts coming into the programme. John wants to know, is there a beef price protest at Charleville Meat Factory? Not that I'm aware of. I know there are the one we've been doing most of the focusing on is the main one here in Cork. Certainly is the one in Bandon. Don't know if they're protesting in Charleville. If any farmers want to uh, let us know. There are protests in other meat factories around the country but I don't know if Charleville is included. I'm sure if it was we would have heard about it at this stage but that's not to say that it's not going ahead or there, isn't, there are not plans to have protests. 1850 On the programme when Michael met Davy that I spoke about that was on TV last night. Esther says I watched that programme too. It was fantastic. Wasn't Davy Fitzgerald just so natural? It just came across as if they were the best of buddies and well done to young Young Michael's teacher who saw something unique in him and with his huge personality I had the tissues on tap Trish but I am delighted to say that they were very happy tears thank you for that uh, Esther 
And Kathleen says, I also watched that programme when Michael meets uh, Davy. I thought it was the best TV show in a long, long time. And many of us can learn from that show. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't be given out, would you, again? When you you look at what that little lad is up against, you know, to be born visually impaired, but like nothing's going to stop him. He's just got such a... It's true what Esther said. He's he's a great big personality. He's just got a fantastic... And a spirit, a great fighting spirit about him. He is a terrific, great, great uh, programme. Thank you. Uh, for those calls and comments. Now, John O'Donovan was on about an issue that I, I had earmarked to mention today, so I'm, I'm glad the show hasn't run by and that I haven't got a chance to mention it. Um, John is on about the priest. It's a Cork City priest, a father, Thomas Walsh, from Grawnerbrawher Parish on the north side of Cork City. And he was writing in the weekly parish newspaper about what he considers to be unsuitable items being brought to the altar as offertory gifts during funeral masses. And Father Thomas was saying, bringing things like a can of beer, a packet of cigarettes, a remote control, or a mobile phone, or even a football jersey. He says it doesn't tell us anything uplifting about the person who died. He said, surely items such as a flower, a family photograph, a prayer book, a rosary beads, reveals far more about the person who has died and the loss he or she is, uh, he or she is to the family who grieve. Now, he, he wrote that piece initially for the Gronenbrauer newsletter, but it actually gained a lot of traction online over the weekend and then various media outlets obviously picking up on it. And um, uh, Olivia Kelleher is writing in the Irish Independent today because she spoke to Father Walsh about the piece that he wrote and obviously also I imagine about the reaction that he was getting to it and he said that the majority of people who offer inappropriate gifts he reckons our families are have little or no faith. So these are people who are not practising Catholics but when a loved one dies they still want to use the church to have a Christian burial and to have the Mass and all of that and they want their family to take part. So you know, obviously the priest will come and speak to the family about, you know, offertory procession, would you like to bring up gifts? And it's then that sometimes, sometimes according to this priest, some of the items are a little bit inappropriate. And he cites the can of beer or the carton of cigarettes and he says it tells nothing beautiful about that person's life. He said, I find when there's not much faith present, you can get appalling things recently. He said one day, for example, he saw a massive box of washing detergent been brought up to the altar. Now, I'm assuming, am I, that was it a woman that died and that she was always washing? Was that the, did she run a laundrette maybe? I don't know what the significance of a massive box of washing detergent as an offertory gift would be. But anyway, the family decided in their grief that that's what they want to do. He also then makes an interesting point where he says often, particularly this is to do with the can of beer or the packet of cigarettes, often the person may have died because of the drinking and the smoking. He said, for example, Mary was a chain smoker. So let's bring up a packet of cigarettes to remember Mary. Or Jimmy was an alcoholic. So let's bring up a can of beer to remember Jimmy. Now, he says he's no problem at all if somebody's very heavily involved in their local GAA club and that a family wants to bring up their own jersey. No issue with that. But he has issue with somebody walking up with a Manchester United or a Chelsea top. And that's what he's got a problem with when he mentions the football jersey. He said, I'm not trying to force anyone to stop offering these type of items. But he said, simply, people need to reflect on the gifts that truly represent their loved one's lives. He said he always meets with the families before a funeral and he'll tell them 
if the particular offertory gift was inappropriate. But he says if they're insistent, you know, he lets them go ahead. I mean, obviously, this is a family grieving. He's not going to have a stand-up argument with them because they want to bring up a can of beer because Jimmy, who's died, his, you know, famous, his favourite tipple was a can of beer. So they want to bring it up. He's, you know, he'll advise them against it, but he won't stop them doing it. Father Walsh also expressed frustration with eulogies that he says can go on as long as the Mass itself and sometimes longer. He says a funeral Mass is simply about praying for the dead. He said a requiem Mass is essentially the coming together of the family along with the believing community to pray for the person who's died. He said at the hour of death as we begin the journey home to God and to judgment we desperately need God's mercy and forgiveness, no matter how edifying the life of the person may seem. Father Walsh says the reaction to his comments in the newsletter has been mixed. Up on Facebook, he said you would get a lot of criticism. He said people are accusing him of saying things that he never actually said, which is not always the way with social media. He said the whole objective, though, of the newsletter was to get people thinking. And that's exactly what he's done. He's after getting people thinking. He's after getting people talking. I heard at least two conversations. I was involved in one, but I overheard another one where they were discussing what Father Thomas had said. And everyone had a story about I was at a funeral where such and such an item was brought up at the offertory gift or someone had, you know, discussions about I remember when my mother died or when my father died or when granny died and the priest was most accommodating and we were allowed to bring up anything at all that we wanted. It seems in Father Walsh's case, he does try to persuade people that a particular offertory gift is, it was inappropriate. And by the way, Father Thomas Walsh is the same priest last year, you may remember, who criticised parents who were selecting non-believers to be godparents for their children. Remember that? That caused controversy um, last year at the time. But he felt that if you're going down the route of having your child baptised, then the people you should put forward to be godparents should be practising Catholics. And that's not always the case today, for sure, for sure. Anyway, Father Walsh and his views on appalling altar gifts, including cigarettes, beer, and I still can't get over the large box of washing detergent. Uh, Are they totally inappropriate? Or would you be on the side of the family who are grieving? They want to remember their loved one. You or I are to fall the wall. It might seem in, in, inappropriate. But if it brings comfort to somebody who's grieving, should families be allowed to bring whatever they like up as an offer to gift in the middle of the Mass? Or is the priest right? That's not what the Mass, it's not what a requiem Mass is there for. It's there to pray for the person. And obviously all of those offer gifts are being brought up to bring some kind of comfort to the bereaved. It's not going to bring any comfort to the person who's passed away. That's bringing comfort to the bereaved. Who should come first? Should we be thinking about the person in the coffin or is it the bereaved who are left behind? 1850-333-103. Your thoughts and comments welcome, particularly if you ha- were at a funeral mass where you saw something that you felt was very, very inappropriate, that it actually struck you that the family shouldn't have used that as an after gift in the middle of a requiem mass at a funeral. Your thoughts welcomed, please. Uh, let me bring you a congratulations. Where's this one gone? Congratulations to the Cork Under-20s hurlers and footballers, especially the Dream Team, who won the All-Ireland on Saturday, beating the Dubs when all seemed lost. Nine points down after 10 minutes. The star of the show, 
Cahal O'Mahony. Not alone Saturday beating Kerry, Tyrone and then the big one, Dublin. Cahal, you're a star. Great future, the whole team, including the, st- the subs. Next up is Mitchellstown. And that comes in from Willie and his sister Peggy McGrath, who are next door neighbours, I believe, to Cahal O'Mahony, who says uh, we're all very excited up, up Mitchellstown. Thank you for that texting 086 103. By the way, does anybody know who the marriage proposal was to and did she say yes? There was a plane spotted yesterday over Ahamilla in Clonakilty, which says marry me gorgeous along with a love heart and it was you know, one of the small planes flying over. Very clearly you could see marry me gorgeous and uh, we're trying to work out who was the proposal to did you see it? Do you know who the proposal was for? And did she say yes? I'm more interested. Love the old rom- bit of romance. Uh, did she actually say yes? If anybody knows who that marriage proposal was for and can fill us in, please do. 1850 Still getting in texts and calls on slapping of children. Sheila says, Patricia, it's very bad for a child to be slapped. It breaks the trust and it causes fear. It's just like if you hit an animal. It just creates fear. Slapping is not good for you. While Nicholas says, Patricia, I can't believe that your guest has suggested that slapping can be linked to suicides. Okay, it was a paediatrician who came out last week uh, who said that the effect of slapping, it can have detrimental effect as you get older. Not not everyone is going to be affected by it. But if you were slapped as a child, it can lead to huge issues with self-esteem. It can also lead, there's... There's studies showing now it can lead to aggression, antisocial behaviour and it can be one cause in a series of other causes that could lead to suicide. They're not saying if you're slapped as a child you're definitely going to go on to commit uh, suicide and so I'm sorry if it came across us that way and I'm sure that Suzanne Connolly didn't mean it to come across that way. Anyway, Nicholas says if that was the case I'd be surprised that there's anybody left who grew up in the 50s, 60s and 70s. As with anything else, says Nicola, slapping can be abused and yes, Times and thinking has changed. I accept that. But committing suicide because you were slapped as a child, really? What about all the other factors that lead to these cases? Cruelty, neglect, alcohol, etc. Parenting in general needs to be looked at. The balance needs to be found between setting loving boundaries, unnecessary violence and total indulgence. Many children now have no boundaries and that's just as destructive. Parents and teachers are at their wits end thanking you, says Nicola. And you're right, you raise a child without boundaries, it will have probably as detrimental an effect as if you raise a child with very extreme cruelty and very extreme uh, abuse. It is probably as bad. Thank you for your uh, texting on smacking. No name on this. Uh, Patricia, parents smacking children in moderation as a final solution was acceptable in the past and seemed to have been successful. There are always exceptions where children were beaten and abused. Children must also be loved and rewarding good behaviour. It would be very interesting to know how successful the experts advising us were at raising their own uh, children. Well, there's lots of parenting experts who will write books and certainly I would have interviewed them over the years and they speak about their own experience of parenting their own children and learning and what they learned 
and you know and how their own children have to have turned out so there's a lot of evidence there from experts dealing with their own children a couple of other things quickly in Sean says Patricia why is the speed van parked just inside the 50 kilometre speed limit approaching Coachford on a bank holiday Monday morning at 9 o'clock this is a regular thing and there's never an accident on that stretch what do other listeners think, says Sean. It sounds to me like what Conor Faulkner of the AA used to describe as fishing in a barrel. He used to go nuts if he would be on the programme with me and we'd be talking about something to do with, usually something to do with speeding. And if somebody rang in and cited an example of that, I've spotted a speed van just inside the 50 kilometre zone at a time and you know as you're approaching the 50 kilometre zone I know people will say you should be slowing down in plenty of time but you might just go past the 50 kilometre zone and just might be 55 you might be just over it but of course that is deemed speeding and Connor used to call that fishing in a barrel as if they're trying to catch people out now the the Gardaí and the Gatso vans will say no they're there to get people to slow down they're trying to avoid accidents and all of that but it does just inside the speed limit doesn't sit comfortably with me either but Sean wonders what do other listeners think and I wonder how many people got caught out or if it's a regular thing that I'm assuming regular drivers in that area will be very much aware that there's a chance you're going to get caught speeding in that area and for that reason will make sure that they have slowed down but bank holiday weekend you could have tourists people just visiting the area and mightn't be aware that it is a regular spot for the speed van to be parked. And another listener has a different query. He says, Hi Patricia, I topped up €20 in a shop in Canturk and was charged, this is phone credit, and was charged 50 cent. Are they not, are they allowed to charge? This is from Mary. Only it was my husband got it, I would have given it back and not purchased my top up. And it's not the first time, uh, Patricia. I don't. I know you're saying you 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 reckon in your text that it's illegal. It's it's not illegal. I remember it when it first came in. The earliest record I can find of it was back in 2014. So it's in a number of years. And there were some stores started charging a lot of the smaller corner shops in particular, and a lot of the smaller spars and centra started charging for top ups. And I remember at the time them saying, oh, "I won't be before long before all of the stores do." So I don't know if the larger, like the Duns and the Tesco's. I don't know if they charge or the super values charge or not. Uh, but certainly there isn't anything illegal. They say they will say it's a transaction charge. It's their way of making uh, money on it. And there's nothing that the phone companies can do. What the phone companies will say to you is to buy your top ups directly from them because obviously they don't charge. But if you're actually going into a shop, it's for the convenience of buying it in the shop, I suppose. I don't know how many or do all shops now charge, but certainly there's nothing illegal in what they're doing and it has been around since at least 2014 on the mobile phone top-ups. And I remember Vincent de Paul came out a number of years ago and they were giving out because some of the shops were charging for, you know, the pay-as-you-go electricity where you get your top-ups. And a lot of people who do pay do pay-as-you-go electricity are people who are on a very limited 
low income or a fixed uh, income and even though it's an expensive way to buy your electricity but people prefer to do that rather than have a large bill come in and our members of Vincent de Paul were critical that some retailers were adding an add-on charge to the top-ups for electricity so yeah but there's nothing illegal unfortunately in what they're doing but what you can do is go to I don't know who you are with I don't know what company you're with uh, Mary but you can go directly Two, you know, if you're with O2, you can purchase directly from O2 online or Vodafone or whoever you're with. 1850 333 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Cork Yarn Spinners, they gather on the third Thursday of every month at uh, Crawford and Company in Anglesey Street. It's a fun evening of stories, poems and songs. And for the August opening night, they're looking for pure Cork talent to bring along your own stories, songs and poetry. Or you can simply come along and just uh, listen. You can check them out on their Facebook page, Cork Yarn Spinner. Bingo is on tomorrow night in, or tonight, sorry, I keep forgetting today's Tuesday. Tonight in Ovens GAA Pavilion, all are welcome. And the Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they've got a donor clinic today in Mill Street GAA Hall. And they're there between five and half past eight. There will be a summer fate fundraiser for the Church of Ireland Union of Parishes in Ballydehob tomorrow, Wednesday. Starts at half two in the afternoon with refreshments, plants, books, games, face painting, raffle and lots, lots more. North Cork Ladies Football Under 15 Development Programme for Girls Born in 2004 and 2005 commences tomorrow in Kilshannock and continues from 7 to 8.30pm every Wednesday night for the month of August. Registration will open at 6.15 tomorrow night or you can register by contacting Edel Heffernan on 089-418-6709 and the cost is €3 per session. And the Chernobyl Children's Trust, they're holding a golf classic. It's a three-ball scramble. It's on this Friday in the lovely Water Rock Golf Course in Middleton. All funds raised go directly to helping impoverished and disadvantaged children living in the Chernobyl zone. All are welcome and you can contact Dara to a book a slot on 087-134-0405. Okay, and a lot of uh, texts and calls uh, coming in. Firstly, on Father Walsh. This is the priest in Gronabraher who is hitting out of what he he describes as appalling altar gifts. Gifts that are brought up at funeral masses for the offertory, things like packets of cigarettes or a can of beer or in the one case, the one that shocks him. And I have to say, shocks me, a massive box of washing detergent. Uh, Mags says, and then the priest, he was making the point, you know, somebody could have died from the cigarettes or could have died from alcohol. And yet people, families want to bring up the cigarettes and the can of beer. Uh, Mags says, the deceased may have given up the drink or the cigarettes. And that could be the symbolism behind carrying up the pack of cigarettes or carrying up the can of uh, beer. Hi Trish, good on for the Walsh says this texture. We need a few more priests to raise their heads above the parapet and not let us all drown in humanism. A lot of priests these days are afraid to speak up to upset the people. Least mass attendance goes down. Quality is better than quantity. And if the church leaders stay strong, the people will return eventually. Give the Holy Spirit a chance to work and keep the old mystery and the magic alive a little bit longer. I personally, says this texter, don't like applause in a church. 
And I know I'm in the minority in that as well, because that's some and you will hear a lot of clapping at various masses. And that's something that would never have happened years ago. It would have been I suppose it would have people would have deemed it deemed it disrespectful. I don't know. I mean, certainly when I was growing up, I never remember anybody clapping in, in the church. And now it's a regular thing, it, you know, the if you're at weddings, they certainly clap. And I was at a, a First Holy Communion Mass where the priest asked us all to clap uh, for the children and for ourselves, for, for our attendance at Mass. So, but here's somebody who, do, who doesn't like it and, 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 and accepts they're probably in the minority. And Anthony says, the collision of the state and church when we become a state forced all of us to go to Catholic schools and obviously churches. So to have a choice of schooling was and is today owned by the Catholic religion in high percentages which makes education virtually impossible outside of it. Maybe in the future we will have civil funerals as in civil marriages and maybe the views of this priest will be unneeded said Anthony. When you can have a humanist funeral now I mean certainly humanist Weddings are becoming very popular for people who don't want the church or not practising Catholics, don't want to use a, a church. Humanist funerals, not as popular, but will they one day? On, only time, only time will tell. Um, hi Trish, I don't agree with that priest. Um, I want to be buried in an Albany away top and an Albany tracks. Or <laughs> This is somebody who's who's a fan, a soccer fan. Yeah, he he took umbrage to he cited Manchester United and Chelsea. He's okay if you're involved in a GAA club and and the family want to bring up your local GAA, you know, to show that you supported the club. But he's got an issue with the English soccer teams. And here's somebody who's a fan of Albany and wants to be buried in the Albany away top and an Albany tracksuit. Well, you'd be inside in the coffin. I don't know if the priest would have an issue on that or not. So you, you may be OK there. OK, and on the, thank you for that. And on the top-ups, Mary, who's got the issue with, went into a shop in Cantork and got charged 50 cent for a 20-year phone top-up top up and thought it was illegal. And I said, it certainly isn't illegal. You are allowed to do it. How much of it is going on? I don't know. Uh, John Paul said he got uh, a lot of people contacting him. Uh, Martin in Cantork says it's like that for the last number of years. Yeah, I found 2014 was the first reference I could find to it. Nearly every shop in the Cantork area is doing it, charging for top-up credit. Melissa in Mallow says I got credit in a shop in Mallow. I was charged 20 cent on top of the top up. Anthony in Balancholic says I'm with Vodafone and I asked them they advised to top up in their shops are online but not all shops but some not all shops operate a system that lets them have all the phone companies on one machine and then the company charges the store and then the store charges the customer. So that is why you get a 20 or a 50 cent extra charge as there's a middleman liaising between the phone company and the shop with with Vodafone now on my phone. They have an app. I press the My Vodafone app and it tells me my credit amount and I then just press plus to add credit and there's no charge for that. Yeah, that's just similar to doing it in one of their shops or similar to doing it online. And then a number of other people were on giving various examples of where you can get it without um, a charge. John says, Duns and McCroom don't charge for top-ups. Thank you, John. And hi, I topped up €20 in Mill Street in Centra on Tuesday and guess what? 
I wasn't charged. 1850-333-103. Let's leave it there. Let's take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Laura Gelga, RC103. Tarubi Walsh er Grinner Denemarkuk is far in Erin August today. Is Minica Vian Shea er Clarica Sport Eggsula er on Delavish. Is a Amprev Markuk done trainali Willie Mullins. Vuig Shea Brish is Gavila Rossi Kapel. Vuig Shea Grada Markuk crave Naherin Ga or Deg. But a on Markuk Tussig Evela Cheltenham ain or Deg either Gavila Sakahar August Gavila Sashak Deg. Gertiuk a Aaron Kaidla den Vela Cheltenham Gavila Sakhdeg. August V er Tark Amak Asan Vela. Rugic Ruby Walsh a Gunte Kildara Savlin Ne Deg Shakdone. Hussig Shay a Markic Kapel a Shaknina Dish. But Felidora Va a Freshen August Vug Shay Bern Ille Aaron Free Okdeg Lena Manskull in Ne Deg Nokashay. Toshe Postella Gillian August Kaher. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. In the again. Le Bloor Grilga, it's Misha Jack Arosta or Grilskull Hamas Davish Mala. CKed as a three Kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan joining us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and I've just spotted a, a fantastic tweet. Harry McGann is the young referee who joined us a number of weeks ago. He gave up refereeing because he was getting so much abuse on the, the pitch. Shocking, like the abuse he was getting. And he's only a young lad. He's in his, his, his early 20s. He's actually actually attending college here in Cork, I'm sure. Anyway, he's tweeted that he's staying with his grandmother for a few weeks over the summer and he says I'm staying with my 75 year old grandmother for a few weeks last night she went off to a Kaylee and she arrived home at 5am this morning she says to me I'm going out again tonight there's another Kaylee on in leash and she says I've worked all my life Harry I'm going to party hard now too so says Nana Mary isn't that great? Isn't well, that great? It doesn't sound like that she's going to fit into our program today I, I, about depression. Isn't but but isn't that isn't that but it just shows as you're getting older you don't have to give up all the things you love. Not at all. Which ties in nicely with what we are going to exactly, talk about, exactly. which is which is living with depression. Yeah. And today we're looking about how to help and and how to cope. Uh, as well because that's the one thing when somebody gets depressed they lose that love of life that obviously Nana Mary still has that love of life it's to get back that love of life isn't it yeah and for the person looking after them um, well we'll say there's two kind of situations one is where the person has not been diagnosed with depression and people loved ones are saying what is going on what's wrong Um, is it me Um, am I causing the person to to make these changes um, for example, like uh, a person might become quite withdrawn, uh, they might be waking very early in the morning, they might be irritable, they might cry easily, uh, where they showed affection before, there might be an inability to show affection, um, they might not want to do anything, um, certainly not going out to Kayleigh's until 5am, 
um, uh, they might talk very little compared with before. So people, um, loved ones, partner, family are saying, what is going on? Have we done something wrong? So, as we always say, if these things are happening, uh, a visit to the GP, because it could well be that there is um, uh, that there is depression. Now, the other scenario then is someone uh, who has been diagnosed and has accepted that they have depression, um, having attended the, the GP, etc. And they could be on medication. Um, and it's 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 important. Um, a lot of people are a bit reluctant about medication, and even having been prescribed, might be reluctant to take medication. But um, a very good uh, combination for depression is medication plus counselling. Both things work very well together. So, um, if a person has been prescribed um, uh, antidepressants, um, it's good to take them and to realise that they don't work in a day or two, they take a while to kick in, so a bit of patience. And if a person feels that the particular one that they've been diagnosed, uh, been prescribed, um, doesn't suit them, well then to go back and say that to the GP, and there are several other ones, uh, one of which might be perfect for the person. Um, But can it be difficult persuading the person that they need to go for help? It can. It can. Because basically the person doesn't want to do anything. They don't want to go out. Um, they don't want to um, uh, attend any social function or meeting people, meet people. And um, kind of coming into that would be they, they might be reluctant to go and discuss it with the GP. But it's essential that they would. So, I mean, if those kind of... Um, uh, symptoms, we'll say, are present and you've noticed these changes, well then it is essential um, to go and have that investigated. Um, there are, as I often said, inventories for that. I mean, uh, I do an inventory, for example, for both depression and anxiety and it measures scientifically and accurately whether a person is suffering from no depression or whatever, um, uh, anxiety, or mild or moderate or severe. And at least then a person is very clear um, about uh, about where they stand. Yeah. Okay. I, I was talking to a person recently, actually, and we did the inventory about depression. And amazingly, the person was quite relieved when they found that they were... Um, moderately depressed, they kind of said, "Well, at least now I know I, what's I know wrong what's with going me. on." Yeah, 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 and that sometimes can help. You know, when somebody's that has that battle about nothing wrong with me, nothing wrong with me, to say, "Well, let's go, let's go and find out for yeah. once and for all, there's nothing wrong with you." And as you say, that you can get great relief. Yeah. So then, when it is, that's one scenario: is the person who hasn't been diagnosed, and then the other scenario is living with the person who has been diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, as I say now, um, you know, to, uh, to, to, to follow medical advice, um, maybe uh, to uh, attend uh, someone in the counselling area, um, or, well, at least now everyone kind of knows what's going on. So then, you know, to try and be positive about, um, you know, 
this too shall pass. That um, there will be good days. And uh, I, I, I was talking with a person not too terribly long ago, and I was suggesting about keeping a log. Now, the log could be like two words, good day, or fairish, or a bad day. And uh, we were discussing, the person said, I've had a terrible, awful month. And then we went over the log. And there was quite a good few days in it um, where the the log said, good day. So, you know, the person realized that, um, you know, that every day wasn't bad, even though that the overall feeling uh, impression that the person had at the end of the month was that it was a very bad month. Uh, and hopefully um, the days that good gets written down become more frequent than the days of, uh, you know, not a good day. Yeah. And for the person concerned, we talk a lot about codependency. And that would mean kind of like abandoning my own needs for the sake of another. Now, while it might be very noble, it's not good. Um, so people have to learn to um, to a certain degree to detach from the illness. Otherwise, there's that codependency where a person's own life um, is very adversely affected by the illness of another. So that, like, to keep up one's own interests and friends, um, a little note to stick in there, too, that I forgot to say is the children do pick up yeah, on, on the atmosphere. And it may be a little chat with them with the appropriate language. Depending would be. on the age of the child. Yeah. And, yeah, and just yeah. to explain that mommy or daddy, you know, is not very well at the moment or, or, or whatever. And then how far do you, do you push the person? I mean, obviously you've got to respect, you know, somebody's right to feel down. You know, if you're yeah. trying to push them to go out, how far do you push? Well, it's a delicate line, isn't it? Between yeah. um, giving a person space and uh, and isolating a person. Yeah. So there's, I mean, one would have to find a, a sort of delicate balance um, between being pushy, which is necessary too. A wee bit pushy doesn't doesn't hurt, and um, and and being kind of completely detached, which is not what one one side of. So to find an um, uh, an appropriate line between giving space. Um, versus isolating the person. And then to to be kind to yourself. You know, treat yourself right. Um, uh, meet friends that you met for a cup of coffee. If there's a day um, that a friend says, will we meet up for a bit of lunch, to do that. Because... Um, uh, the the helper, as it were, we, we've often heard the phrase "Who cares for the, the carer?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. so and, important. Um, so to look after oneself um, and to be able to say, "Yeah, we will meet up for lunch or a cup of coffee or whatever." In other words, like to decrease the stressors and to increase support would be a kind of a, a phrase that would fit that. Um, and to challenge negative thinking, like this will never end. Uh, this is completely unmanageable to try and avoid that because that kind of you know that kind of thinking just gets one down down and to look after oneself um, physically yeah, um, yeah you know and um, you, you you can't look after anybody else if you're if you're not if you're not looking after exactly after our yourself. old it's, it's airplane important. analogy yeah when yeah. the thing comes down put on your own first 
and then tend to any uh, defence. Anyone's just with you talking of uh, aeroplanes and airports. Yeah. Great reunion, I imagine, last Friday. Your, your yeah. Son, your son Ken is home. Ken, Kelly, and Dylan are home. They wow. arrived into Cork Airport last Friday the second. They were tired, but okay. Yeah. And um, uh, they're here for a few weeks, right. and they'll be with us here for a bit of a family week on the uh, on Sunday the. Uh, the 12th and they'll be with us until the 17th so we're looking forward to a little bit of time together And how is his treatment going Joe? Treatment is going along you know the okay. fortnight of taking the chemo the fortnight off then the fortnight on again very often at the end of the fortnight of taking the chemo he can be a bit flattened I know. but um, you know and uh, is, he looking, is he looking well? Well you know what I'm, I'm not kidding you um uh, his father-in-law, Peter, was with him. So the four of them arrived into Cork Airport. And he looked <laughs> he looked the fittest of the four. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Isn't did. that great? Yeah. Isn't that great? And yeah. and great to have the grandson over as well. Great to have Dylan home. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did be. Yeah. Uh, it was a long time since there was a three-year-old here with us. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and that is fun, I can tell you that. Yeah. It's fun. So that, that that that's terrific. Really great news. And yeah. before I let you go, quick text in saying, uh, this is on depression, I have to push myself. I, fi- I find I'm staying in more. Do I need to be worrying? Well, challenge yourself and do have a go. I was only looking at songs of perseverance while ago and one of them was uh, Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down. And, um, you know... You have depression, don't let depression have you. So, but the very fact that somebody is, they know themselves there's something up if they're, yeah. if they're finding that they're staying in. So yeah. she's, he or she is doing the right thing by saying, I'm pushing myself to, to go out. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be, you know, um, uh, 5K or something for a walk. Um, uh, you know, a half a K would do fine. And um, like, uh, ask oneself, have I made any phone call to a friend recently about maybe meeting up? It could be just for a chat. Um, uh, am, am I staying in touch with people? Um, uh, wh- wh- what's the word? Am I uh, am I keeping up um, uh, friendships in, yeah, in some yeah. way? Okay. Yeah. All right. Listen, Joe, uh, have a lovely weekend and enjoy Ken and the family being over yeah. and we'll talk next week. Thanks Absolutely. for that, Joe. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Uh, Joe's number is 029 uh, Liz has been on to say Tesco don't charge for top-ups, top-up phone credit, she knows, because she works there. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Uh, Nick is with you for the afternoon. Remember, you'll be playing another round of Simon Celebrity Seas with Nick this afternoon and it continues right throughout the day. We kicked it off today with €2,000 and we'll add €100 every day we play until it is one. It is going to be fun. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the Lamb Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Nick Richards. Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. We're at the Lee Swim where about 500 people are going to get in the River Lee any minute now. Your husband's taking part? Yes, Martin Chen and yes. Do you think there's any sharks in there? No. No. Fishies! Not taking part this year? No, not this year. Yeah. You'd nip behind a tree, put a pair of Speedos on, you'd be in. Chances. <laughs> 50-50. It brings loads of people out into the city and it'll be great this year because obviously they're swimming under the new bridge for the first time, the Mary Ellen's Bridge. So yeah, so great day. Weekday afternoons from C103. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.